You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? (laughs) We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff and I will be your host today, although I am not the the real host. We'll get to that in just a moment. Joining me here in the studio is only Ken. Yes, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. This is our uh, this is our barest episode yet. No Neil, no Matt. It's probably therefore also the most potentially dangerous episode. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Neil and Matt saw that premiere of Game of Thrones where they're flying through the sky, and Matt said, "Neil, I want to do that too." And Neil took him on a hot air balloon ride tonight. Yes, so they are they're out enjoying their um, near dragon experience, right? Um, and uh, so, fortunately for us, we have some excellent guests. Um, so I'll introduce uh, who'll be my teammate, Jill Slocum, coming to us from Mesa, Arizona. She is a U.S. champion, so thank you for that. Jill, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am a mental health therapist out in Mesa, Arizona, and I just want to say hi to my husband and my daughter. Good play. Good play. I always like it when uh, when we get shout outs for the family members. Yeah, I always think that's nice. I wouldn't do that for my family, but I think it's nice. (laughs) That's because you're a cold (laughs) bastard, Jeff. (laughs) I hope you realize that we... It said the ones that I chose to have in my life. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's fair. That's that's uh, very fair. The other laugh that you heard in the background uh, is Ben Moore, and he's coming to us from San Ramon, California, and he's a cruiserweight champion, so we thank him for that as well. And uh, Ben, why don't you tell everybody about yourself? Sure. I live in uh, San Ramon, which is a suburb in uh, the San Francisco, Oakland Bay area. Uh, do trivia on Tuesday nights at a place called Sunshine Saloon. We'll give him a shout out and... Obviously, now I have to give a shout out to my wife and kids as well, Val, Julia, and Ashley. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Good play again. Well, uh, we were talking about how this was a very skeletal episode, very bare bones. And uh, me and Jeff got to talk and we were thinking about some of our favorite uh, emo songs and emo bands. And you guys wanted to be what? Uh, I think we're going to be All That Remains. All right. That's Jeff and Jill as All That Remains. And I will be the Alkaline Trio song, Clavicle. (laughs) So just Team Clavicle over here. 
But uh, without further ado, let's toss it over to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream rise to the top, oh yeah. We almost forgot the rules guy was on the show today, too. Yeah, he's here. Poor in st- Darren. We always forget about Darren. Yeah, he, he came in live in studio, so it wouldn't be just the two of us. Yeah, thanks for keeping us company. Well, he's on his way out now, so goodbye, Darren. Thanks again. All right, uh, when you're, whenever you're ready, Ben, let's uh, go ahead and get started. Okay, great. Round one, obviously, these are each going to be worth 10 points. Um, when I put all this together, I had everybody in mind on your team, by the way. So it's going to be, I know, I know. Yeah. Like Neil and Matt are just going to hate that they weren't here, but this is good. It'll be great. Okay. So start with, with, yes, yes. Uh, question number one, what is the most Southern state capital in the contiguous United States? Okay. I am going to, Oh no, wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> capital c this is the problem i'm just gonna let you sweat this one out yeah i'm sweating i'm a sweating don't you worry about it Chuck. <laughs> maybe you can uh give me some hints here and tell me what's a capital and what's not a okay i'm locked in oh we've been friends way too long for me to help you by cheating and uh hey joe uh what are your thoughts on this i was thinking more of a southern state so maybe Alabama or Florida because it's not, I don't think it's Texas. Alabama and uh, Mississippi. I think those are both towards the center of the state. So they're higher up. I want to say, so Tallahassee is in the panhandle of Florida. So that's pretty far North, but I think think that one's more Southern than both Alabama and Mississippi. Strangely, I do think it might be Austin, Texas, because I think that does go, like the bottom of Texas and the bottom of Florida are about the same spot, and I think Austin is further south than Tallahassee, Florida, but I could be wrong. I'm okay with Texas. Okay, and if uh, if I'm wrong, I'll have to I'll have to eat my my geography knowledge here, but uh, I'll uh, I will lock in with uh, Austin, Texas. Yeah, a lot of stuff just came to me as you were talking. I was trying to remember the capital of Texas. I could not. And the capital of Louisiana, I could not. Now I know that's Austin and Baton Rouge. But I went with Tallahassee, which I could remember was the capital of Florida, though I was aware it was in the panhandle. But we'll see. The answer is Austin, Texas. All right. Good job, guys. It is 11 miles more south than Tallahassee, which is number <laughs> <laughs> 11 that is miles? so barely. I could walk that <laughs> yeah, far. barely. That's half a bike Shucks. ride, Ken. Shucks. Half a bike ride, really. Here we go, guys. Uh, question number two. What European UNESCO World Heritage Site built in the 17th century is known for its Hall of Mirrors? Ooh. World Heritage Site. Oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a guess in here. All right. Ken is locked in. Jill, uh, what, uh, does, this, does this one you know? Is this one ringing a bell? Um, the only thing I can think of is either somewhere, probably France or Italy, because it's more art centric. Okay. Unless it's like random, like Poland. 
for some reason I was my gut went to like the Palace of Versailles. I don't know if that's if that's the right time frame or it sh- that's around. It could be actually. I'm trying to remember. There's a um. I mean, Europe could be Russia too. So I'm trying to remember what that that palace is. Uh, it was that Catherine the Great built. The the Winter Palace don't or whatever that. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of the ones with the curly cues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In like um, St. Petersburg. Yeah, there, there's like the the Winter Palace is like known for being just like absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I feel like that would have been about the right time frame too. But I don't I don't have any strong bearing here. So. We could say the Versailles because Marie Antoinette looked like to look at herself. I don't know. Okay. Uh, uh, that's good. I, uh, I'll go with that. We're going to lock in with, uh, the palace of Versailles. I have a worse guess. Um, <laughs> I just put the bad guess of, uh, Madame Tussauds. Okay. The answer is the palace of Versailles Ooh, in France. Yay. These guys, <laughs> these guys today so far, <laughs> this is not boding well for team clavicle. <laughs> Question number three. Gregor Mendel was a 19th century monk who lived in Austria in the Austrian Empire. While largely unknown during his lifetime, his science experiments were discovered decades after his death. Today he is known as the father of what branch of science? Locked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this one you're uh, familiar with, Jill? Um all I can think about is Punnett squares. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because some, some days that's all I can think of. He too. did because uh, he was uh, basically the father of uh, is it genetics? Is that the? What they I think the, it's the, genetics. Broadly speaking, the field. Okay. You do the big letter and the little letter. That's all I can think of. So <laughs> I, I'd be fine with genetics. Yeah, I know. I know he was breeding pea pods. I think. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we'll uh, we'll say uh, he was the father of genetics. And I said genetics. That is correct. He is the father of genetics, and as you said, he was doing experiments with pea pods to discover recessive and dominant genes. Alleles. That is true. I, I do experiments with pea pods too, but it's more like what's best in a stir fry sort of thing. <laughs> it's a culinary, culinary experimentation. Well, Ben, I was getting nervous here, uh, having missed the first two questions, yes, but I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad to be on the board. Now that first point is out of the way. Representing Team Clavicle proudly. That's right. We're, we're ready to go with question four. Okay. This is definitely a Neil question. Okay. With 12 people, there are 12 people in the world that have gotten an EGOT. They're EGOT winners. E-G-O-T, which means they've won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. However, only four of those people completed the task before the age of 50. For five points each, give me two of those people so tracy jordan right ken yeah because he was pushing for that he got right in 30 rock i'm just trying to remember the um the youngster that got it like two years ago i'm pretty sure i know two he got winners and i don't and that's about all i'm gonna get so but jill and i'll have a moment to discuss when ken's finished with his agony all right, I'm finished with my agony. <laughs> <clears throat> so do uh, so. I think so. Whoopi Goldberg, I know, is an EGOT winner, and I don't know if she won before or after she was 50, but I I know she's got an EGOT, so she's got all four. So um, I'd be comfortable with that. And then I think um, John Legend just did it, and I don't believe he's 50 yet. 
So, um, how do you feel about those as answers, Jill? Sure hope John Legend isn't 50. <laughs> I know John Legend. I, I was listening to your podcast a few hours ago, and that was one of the questions. And I was like, I need to remember this. And then I was like, the only thing I remember is John Legend. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then the only other one I know for sure, um, I think, because oh, actually I might know a third. I think Rita Moreno also has one. Um, but I, well, I'm going to go with Whoopi. I, I think we'll go with Whoopi Goldberg and John Legend. Yeah, I think that's good because Rita Moreno got hers in the 70s. And I don't know if she, because now she's in what her, she's in her 70s now. So well, if she got it in the 70s, then she would have been younger than 50. Yeah. Do you want to go Rita Moreno and John Legend? Go for it. Done. We're going to lock it in. Seems like a good guess. Uh, I did say uh, Whoopi Goldberg is one of them, and I was trying to remember the uh, the songwriters from Coco and Frozen because I think one of one or both of them have an EGOT, but the second one I went with was Barbara Streisand. Okay. Well, you guys got all four in a combination. Um, the answers are composer Robert Lopez at age 39, who did, as you mentioned, Frozen and the Book of Mormon, John Legend at 39 and a half, Rita Moreno at 45, and Whoopi Goldberg at 46. All right. So I actually only got one. So Ken got five. Yeah. yeah. But you guys had mentioned all, all four of them in, in passing. Yeah. I, w- I wish I could have remembered that composer's name, but I'm pretty proud of that outing for yeah. for us yeah. <laughs> so far you have a hundred percent your team yes uh-huh. four for four okay on to question number five it's a sports question this former major league baseball manager is 15th in all-time wins and is the only african-american manager to reach 1800 wins who is he all right this is where my streak ends <laughs> <laughs> I'm locked in. I want to say it's the the guy who used to manage the Cubs uh, before Joe Madden, um, but I can't remember his name. That's about where I I have no idea. <laughs> Baseball and I aren't don't go eye to eye. I'm I'm from Arizona. It's the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah, and every other team for about a week and a half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's Dusty. Is it Dusty Baker? I think that's his name. Get out of here. What? No. Nah. <laughs> is, is, that, is, that, is that who it was? I don't know if it's right, but uh, I think, yeah, Dusty Baker was the guy who used to manage the Cubs. And uh, he's with Atlanta or something now. I mean, he's been with a bunch of teams. He's been in the league for a long time. So I'd be pretty confident. And at least he's up there. I don't know if he's the one. But um, if you're okay with me locking that in, I don't know much more about baseball, so we'll we'll go with Dusty That's Baker. Fine. Okay, sounds good. I said Dusty Baker. <laughs> Dusty Baker is correct. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You're a f-ing cheater. Wow. I've had it. How am I cheating? cheating. You, I see you with you, your phone. Wh- wh- where's my phone? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's in the car. <laughs> That was crazy. Dusty Baker has managed with the Giants, Cubs, Reds, and the last time he he managed was with the Nationals in 2017. The Nationals, okay. I was seeing white and red, but I was thinking Atlanta, but yeah, in the Nationals. All right, after five questions, uh, all that remains, betting a a perfect game for Dusty Baker, 50 points. I am lagging a little behind, but doing better than I thought with 25 points, exactly halfway. Question number six. 
Che Guevara was a major figure in the Cuban Revolution, yet he wasn't from that country. What country was he originally from? I believe I know this. But we'll let, we'll let Ken lock in because that's his honor today. I'm good. I want to say it's Colombia. Okay. I know it's yeah somewhere in South America. Um, I'm trying to remember because uh, the movie The Motorcycle Diaries is about Che Guevara. And I my gut said he was Argentinian. I don't know why. I'm trying to see if I can remember anything re- relevant from the movie. What do you remember about Rage Against the Machine? All you have to do is just hit your guitar in weird ways, and then Let you're a musical. Feedback. You're a musical genius, um, like Tom Morello. Because <laughs> I remember he grew up pretty well to do, and I thought he was from Buenos Aires, but. Hey, if you want to break our perfect thing, go for it. Ooh. <laughs> if you're if you're fairly confident it's Colombia, then what we can go. I'm not. Here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the on the on the backs of uh, of on my back, I guess. Um, we'll see if the streak continues or if I have broken us. Uh, we'll go Argentina. And I think it's a tie if neither of you was correct. Um, just a guess in Guatemala. The answer is Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. It's the Motorcycle Diaries is about that, and interesting enough, he was actually executed in 1967 in Bolivia. Yeah, helping revolutionaries there. Yes, I sort of remember. I'm just that. shaking my head right now at this. It's perfect game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Perfect game. Perfect game. Perfect game. Perfect game. Yes, we're, we're in the sixth in, and then sixth inning. I don't fold the pressure. Is it going to be All a right. shutout? 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 <laughs> shutout? <laughs> Question number seven. This year, Stevie Nicks became one of the select few musicians to be inducted twice into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. However, one legend has been inducted three times. Who is the artist? I'm locked in. I have a few guesses. It could be Clapton. Okay. Phil Collins also comes to mind, which sounds ridiculous. Um, No, I I think Phil Collins was only in... if he's in more than once, it's only for Genesis and his solo work, I Is think. Phil Collins and Phil Collins? <laughs> um, more of a Peter Gabriel man myself. Are you? <laughs> Definitely. I, you always feel like the sledgehammer on this mm-hmm. show. So, um, <laughs> I, I like Eric Clapton. I um, That's that's the one I, I kind of remember. Um, I think it came up on our show once, and I thought he was in for... Um, his solo work, Derek and the Dominoes and Cream, but I, he's not in for Derek and the Dominoes. I'm pretty sure. I think he's only in for um, his solo work, Cream, and I think a third band, but I can't remember what that third band is. I always want to say like the Yardbirds, but that one's always wrong. I always get that wrong. Doesn't matter what I answer. The Yardbirds are always wrong. Um, you like you responded strongly to Clapton. I like Clapton as an answer. Um, I I think it's right, so I'm I'm more than happy to go with it. Okay. And I think you were wrong about being wrong. Uh, and I also said Clapton. I think it is the Yardbirds is the third one or at least something similar. You're correct. The answer is Eric Clapton. Yes. With the Yardbirds in 92, Cream in 93, and as a solo artist in 2000. Yep. This is one I can't forget <laughs> anymore because I, I missed it twice, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty sure it was Clapton, but I always I screw up the Yardbirds part every time. Like I just don't know which one's which. I know it's Cream for sure. So. <laughs> okay, question number eight. 
Since 1990, four films that won the Academy Award for Best Picture have had the name of an animal appear in their title. Name two, you get five points each. So La La Land did not win Best Picture. <laughs> did not. But Moonlight isn't an animal. Yeah. So. <laughs> so and the other one you can rule out is uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. So yeah. I'm like dancing around them because I've thought of like... 12 of them yeah this is the part of the show where i look at neil and i go you got this right and then i zone out <laughs> i don't think today's your day <laughs> did uh dolphin tail win a <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i get this and you don't that's it like for shame yeah, it's done. <laughs> there's no there's no point in being on the show anymore i'm kidding we still need you for random questions about japan <laughs> all right so uh, i just edited out a very long pause and i am now locked in <laughs> <laughs> all right joe what did you uh what did you think i have a few guesses and okay. i think they're all wrong but um i put crouching tiger hidden dragon um the lion king and then i had water for elephants because he mentioned something about thinking about animals so i just guessed movies with animals okay um, the two that I was thinking of, and I know one of them for sure is a Best Picture winner. Uh, I have Dances with Wolves, and I think that one in 90. Yeah. And the other one, I think, is The Wolf of Wall Street. I think Scorsese I'm okay won. with that. I think Scorsese won for that one. I'm okay with that. So uh, do you want to go double wolf, wolf pack answer here? Dances with Wolves and Wolf of Wall Street? I'm good. Okay. We'll lock it in. All right, Dances with Wolves was a Best Picture winner. Uh, I'm hoping it was after 1990 because one of my answers is Dances with Wolves. Wolf of Wall Street did not win Best Picture. Oh. Silence of the Lambs <laughs> won Best Picture, it though. did, yeah. So, oh. Silence of the Lambs, Dances with Wolves. That's, that is correct. The perfect game comes to an end. Uh, the four answers are 1990 Dances with Wolves, 1991 Silence of the Lambs, 2008 Slum Dog Millionaire, 2014 Birdman. Jeez. Oh, I forgot about Birdman. Yeah, I was really blanking for Silence of the Lambs really kills me because that one won all five of the big ones. It won for. Yeah, it won for Best Picture and it won for both Leading Actor and Actress and the other two major ones, whatever those ones are. Director and I think, yeah, maybe screen, adapted screenplay or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. So, Sorry, Jill. I totally forgot about the wonderful performance of Hannibal Lecter in that. All right. Question number nine. In physics, this term is described as, quote, when electron in one energy level in an atom jumps instantly into another energy level, emitting or absorbing energy as it does so. Oh, it's also the title of a TV show starring Scott Bakula that aired on NBC from 1989 <laughs> to 1993. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you have the answer, Ken? Yeah. Jill, does this sound like Quantum Leap? That's what I was thinking. Okay, That's the, uh, that the only physics things I know, so I'm good with that. The only other show I know Scott Bakula was on, he was on a Star Trek or something. Maybe. And Chuck. And Chuck. Chuck was the one I was he going was Chuck's for. Chuck's dad. Yeah. <laughs> His deadbeat dad, who is not a deadbeat. But So we're going to go with Quantum Leap. Uh, Quantum Leap for me as well. 
Correct. That is correct. He's a uh, backlist currently on NCIS New Orleans. So uh, he's out there somewhere. He's always he's always on TV somewhere. Okay, uh, number ten. The final question of the first round. Donald Trump is only the fifth president to never hold a politically elected position before taking office. Five points each if you can name two of the other presidents who hold this distinction. There's a hint. George Washington was not one of them. I'm going to cross that one out then. (laughs) You said an elected government position. Yes, elected. Yes, a politically elected position before taking office. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and lock in on this one. Okay, so I'm going through all the presidents I know from backward from Trump backwards. Okay. And I'm currently in the 1920s. So I'm trying to <laughs> Did you hit on, did you hit on anyone in that time? Uh, two that I did think of could be Eisenhower. He was a general in the military, but I don't know if he was ever elected. Then no, I think that's a, I think that's a very strong answer. Um because he would have been, um, he would have still been probably actively serving in the military all the way through Truman, and he was elected in 1952. So I think Eisenhower is a, a strong one. On that on that train of thought, I think Ulysses Grant might be also potentially a, a good one because he was, um, he was an active general. Um, yeah. If I say Hoover, can you think of anything you know about Herbert Hoover? <laughs> I think he was uh, a vacuum guy, right? I think. Yeah. And this is based on my knowledge of Boardwalk Empire. I think he was either a governor or like a rep or a senator. I'm pretty sure he held office in some form or fashion. I like the general angle, though. So. Grant. Yeah, I. I don't know if Grant had an office before that, so I'm I'm good. We'll we'll go uh, we'll go with Eisenhower and Ulysses Grant. I went uh, the general uh, route as well. Uh, one that I picked was Eisenhower, and I was thinking of Jackson, as you were, but I went with William Henry Harrison because I remember his running slogan was Tippecanoe and Tyler Two, which was specifically about his success at the Battle of Tippecanoe. Figured if he had been elected, maybe it would be uh, he'd be leaning more heavily on something else. So Eisenhower and William Henry Harrison. Yeah, you guys are definitely in the right area with the generals. The three or four of them were, they are Zachary Taylor, U.S. Grant, and Eisenhower, all generals. And then Herbert Hoover only was a Secretary of Commerce under Harding and Coolidge. He never had an elected position. Wow, Jill had that one too. Well done. And after the first round, I am sorry to say that I have 60 points at Team Clavicle. And, uh, over and at, that's usually a pretty good score for yeah. round one. And uh, team, all that remains missed half a question, ninety-five points. So we're on to the swing round. Uh, this swing round is called also known as. What I'm going to do: there are ten people. I'm going to give you the real name of a famous person plus their date of birth and then their date of death if they've passed on, and you're going to tell me what they are better known as. Okay. Number one, Calvin Brodus Jr., born 1971. Number two, Georgios Paniatu, born 1963, died 2016. Number three, William Blythe III, born 1946. 
Number four, Vladimir Yulianov, born 1870, died 1924. Number five, Isur Danielovich Demsky. Isur Danielovich Demsky, born 1916, still alive today. Number six, Alicia Beth Moore, born 1979. Number seven, Reginald Dwight, born 1947. Number eight, Eric Bishop, born 1967. Number nine, John Roger Stevens, born 1978. Number 10 is Robin Fenty, born 1988. Yeah, can you just do a clean read all the way through? Sure, absolutely. Number one, Calvin Brodus Jr., born 1971. Number two, Georgius Paniatu, born 1963, died 2016. Number three, William Blythe III, born 1946. Number four, Vladimir Yulianov, born 1870, died 1924. Number five, Isur Danielovich Demsky, born 1916, still alive today. Number six, Alicia Beth Moore, born 1979. Number seven, Reginald Dwight, born 1947. Number eight, Eric Bishop, born 1967. Number nine, John Roger Stevens, born 1978. And number 10, Robin Fenty, born 1988. And what a twist this is in the studio. Tag team. This is apparently a tag team match because here no. we have joining us. I don't want Neil it. Fisher. What what Neil doesn't know <laughs> at this moment is uh, Jill and I have been crushing it. Nearly perfect score. <laughs> we we have ninety five in the first round. I'm here with my steel chair. Uh oh. <laughs> I feel it coming on. Oh, my God. This guy refuses to miss a single episode. He absolutely refuses to break his perfect attendance streak. He's beaten and ragged, but here he is, well, chair I, in hand. Well, I surely need some help on this uh, this uh, swing round. So let's, uh, let's break and uh, see what answers we can come up with. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Okay, I've deliberated with my tag team partner for some time and uh, we've got some answers we're satisfied with. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're also locked in, so I think uh, you can take it away, Ben. Uh, Calvin Brodus Jr., nineteen seventy-one. Uh, that I have Snoop Dogg. I have Jill to thank because uh, she knew that one was Snoop Dogg. Right. Nickname was given to him by his mom, where she called him Snoopy. Second one is Georgius Paniatu, born nineteen sixty-three, died in two thousand sixteen. If there's anything I know about it, it's recent celebrity death. And uh, this is George Michael, I believe. Jill also bailed me out on this one. She said, uh, I think this is George Michael. So so you had faith in your teammate? I did have faith. That is correct. It's George Michael. The third one, William Blythe the third, born 1946. Yeah, so uh, being born in 1946, we clocked this uh, person in their, what, 70s, 80s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little older. Early 70s. Early 70s. Uh, that's uh, Takeshi 69. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jill, uh, I don't think we ever came up with an answer for this one, did we? Nope. All right, so uh, we got nothing. So It's President Bill Clinton. No way. Oh. His father died in an accident before his birth, and he changed his name to a stepdad's name when he was 15. Oh, my God. I knew Gerald Ford changed his name. I almost guessed that, too. Gerald Ford died today. <laughs> That's for the SNL fans. That's an old reference. Yes. Deep cut. Yes. Vladimir Yulianov, 1870 to 1924. Um, famous poet, and uh, you would say like uh, almost like a lyricist, uh, Chingy. <laughs> all right uh what did we say for this one jill lennon l-e-n-i-n yeah vladimir lennon that is correct it's vladimir lennon <laughs> number five is sur danielovich Demsky, born 1916 yep we had this one uh pretty handily and uh it's kirk douglas yeah i saw the other day on Catherine zeta jones instagram that he was enjoying a nice soak in the sun uh, so we said Kirk Douglas. That is that is correct. Number six, Alicia Beth Moore, born 1979. Uh, I think this one is pink, so that's what we went with. And Jill, this one was all you. It was pink. <clears throat> that is correct. It is pink. Number seven, Reginald Dwight, born 1947. With a name like uh, Reginald Dwight, I don't know why you would change your name to Elton John, but uh, he did. And uh, yeah, we agree. We think this one is Elton John. 
That is correct. It is Elton John. Number eight, Eric Bishop, born 1967. I was focusing on this one for a really long time. And uh, for some reason, I was like, oh, it's going to start with an E. It's going to start with an E. And then uh, I remembered that uh, he changed his last name to have two X's. And it was Jamie Foxx. And we just said Eric B. It is Jamie Foxx taking the last name from the comedian Red Fox. This is correct. Number nine, John Roger Stevens, born 1978. Oh, you know something? I got this confused with uh, Steve Rogers, and I said Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a bag of nothing. It is John Legend. John Legend's real name is John Roger Stevens. The aforementioned John Legend. You mean Legend's not his real last name? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's shocking. Just like Stevie Wonder's name isn't really Stevie Wonder. You can't just drop bombs like this on me. It's Stevie Wonder, Stiston. <laughs> Number 10, Robin Fenty, 1988. Uh, this one, uh, I had to remind Ken uh, that uh, he annoyingly would never forget the fashion line known as Fenty. I knew Ken would have forgotten uh, that on his own. Oh, no, he remembered. Uh, it is Rihanna. And we agree, Rihanna. That is correct. It is Rihanna. So that's it. And after that round, it looks like we both got 35 additional points out of it. So nothing uh, gained, nothing lost. Uh, I'm at 95 along with Neil on Team Clavicle, by the way, Neil. Oh, Clavicle. We're, we're going we're to be breaking some clavicles in just a second here. We're in now that you're mood. I like yeah. it. Thank you. What, what's your team name, Jeff? All That Remains. All That Remains. Okay. And All That Remains, 130. This is good. I, I haven't been here for all the rapport between Jeff and Jill. Uh, I can already tell that uh, Ben's a great host uh, just from the swing round, so I'm excited to see what he has in store, and I'm ready to go. I'm oiled up. Okay, so here we go. Round two. Question one, round two. According to the World Health Organization, what's the deadliest animal in the world causing over 700,000 deaths a year? This is um, not necessarily direct killings. Correct attributing to over 700,000 deaths a year. One of those two. Yeah. Yeah, this is the uh the perennial question around here. This is <laughs> uh, It turns out that Ken is not the deadliest animal. <laughs> you know what's funny? One time I answered this one and we were and wrong, wrong and, and I then answered... the other time you answered that one and you're wrong. And I was wrong, right. Let's go with <laughs> The second one you wrote. This one? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're locked in. God have mercy on our souls. <laughs> uh, I feel, I feel, Jill, and, and I don't know what you're thinking about this one. Um, is this the humble mosquito? Would you consider that an animal or would you consider that an insect? I would taxonomically consider that an animal. As, as in it's not like a plant or a fungus or a protist. I'm okay with mosquito. I'm just trying to think of animals that actually do things that kill people. <laughs> well, it it likes to spread disease a lot. So True. I think, I think it's I think it's a it likes it. It takes pleasure in it. It's not like a hippopotamus where it's just gonna like mess you up, but um, it doesn't have advanced thought. But what it does have is a vengeance for the human race. <laughs> no, it it has <laughs> something. Put e- that in. <laughs> it has something even worse. Deal. Complete apathy for us, uh, <laughs> and it's just a vector. Victor, the mosquito's fine with me. Okay, we will go with mosquito. 
Yeah, so the uh, the eternal battle rages. Do you go with tsetse fly or mosquito? <laughs> which spreads malaria? Which sp- spreads sleeping sickness? What's the difference? Etc. Quinine. I don't know what's happening. Uh, we went with mosquito. Correct. Everyone is right. It's mosquito, mainly attributed to malaria as the number one thing that leads yeah. to death. At least we got one for once with the mosquito. Yeah. That's good. And a very depressing question. We yeah. had it on the show once as to what mosquito meant, but I don't remember. Hmm. Little bite. It's a little type, ski- something like that. Little yeah. mosquito. Oh, it's not a type of <laughs> It's not a type of barbecue, right? Uh it, yeah, cuz it's small cuz poquito, right? Was that the Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something else yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, round 2, question number 2 is a sports question. This college basketball player had the highest scoring average in NCAA Division I history with 44.2 points per game and all before the three-point line came into play. Who is this person? I could probably guess someone real. Let's just go with your real guess. We're locked in. Okay. Are you going with the logo, Jerry West? I'm not going Jerry West. No. <laughs> um I know Wilt Chamberlain had a bunch of NBA records, Jill. I don't know if he was super effective in college. He would be around long ago enough that I don't think the three-point line was in place. So, Mm-mm. um, and it might be this obscure player that didn't even hardly play in the NBA. That's the other thing I'm thinking. You pick. You decide. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm gonna roll the dice here. And uh, we're going to go Wilt the Stilt, Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, hoops make shoots a lot or something like that. So, uh, Neil? Yeah, we wrote down Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell, and we just decided, uh, since he's awesome, to go Bill Russell. Okay, the answer is Pistol Pete Maravich from LSU from 67 to 70. And Jill with the outside line on no one we've ever heard of. (laughs) Okay, question three, round two. In tax and accounting slang, what does the acronym LIFO mean? L-I-F-O. In tax and accounting slang, what does the acronym LIFO mean? Can I call my tax consultant real quick? (laughs) At least Matt's not here. He hasn't done his taxes in like six years. (laughs) Don't, Don't say that. He said it on a previous episode. He said he hadn't filed them in three years, and it made the final edit. So Matt has not done his taxes in so long that Elliot Ness has risen from his grave and is coming to get him. <laughs> insurance financial obligation. Life insurance financial obligation. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> and we're going to go with liquid income. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> The slang term means last in, first out, meaning the last money you put into an investment is the first money that will be taxed. Mm. LIFO, L-I-F-O. If I had money, I would probably know some of these things. I should have. Until I acquire some, I can't really do fun (laughs) things with it. And uh, if you'd like to help Ken in his lifelong goal <laughs> <There> of, <you> go. <laughs> of earning a little bit more money, you can support us directly, uh, just like Jill and Ben do, at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. You thought I was going to wait for a midpoint, no, but I can hit sp- you at any that's time. That's a spot right there. <laughs> this uh, That uh, little break there was brought to you by LIFO, st- uh, singers of uh, summer girls who like write-offs. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 
He's talking about LFO. (laughs) All right. Round two. Question number four. What well-known river in Africa is the only river to cross the equator twice? We're going to lock in. Uh, Jill, my, my gut says it's the Congo because I think the Congo runs from east to west and then dumps into the, the Atlantic Ocean. And I think it's right about that parallel. I don't know what you... Yeah, okay, okay. I think that's, that's a good guess. Great, because, yeah, the Nile runs north-south, so I'm pretty sure it just plows right through it. So uh, we're going to go with the Congo River. Well, if this is right, I hope uh, our listeners are sitting down on this geography question because I put Congo River. That is correct. It is the Congo. Nice job, Ken. He did tell me before this game today that he was really into Michael Crichton lately, so it must have helped. (laughs) (laughs) I did not watch the film Congo, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Round two, question number five. The modern-day Olympics first took place in 1896. Since then, it's been canceled five times. Three Summer Olympics, two Winter Olympics. What year was the most recent cancellation? I, there might have been one more recent than that, but maybe not. Okay, okay. we're locked in. Um, there were ones that we didn't go to because we were boycotting the hell out of them. Um, but, Jill, uh, I, I think... Two were canceled because of World War One, and three potentially were canceled. The lead up to, and then World War Two. So I, I want to say forty-four was the last one that was canceled. But I don't know how you feel about that. I feel good about it. Forty-four sounds good to you. It sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm not sure how the uh, Olympics were syncopated, but we said forty-six. The answer is 1944. There was uh, one was canceled in 1916 for the Summer Olympics, and both Winter and Summer Games in 40 and 44 were canceled. All of them due, obviously, to world wars. Round two, question six. During the presidential election of 1912, a third party known as the Progressive Party actually finished second in popular voting and in the Electoral College. It's the only time this ever took place in the 20th century. What well-known politician was the presidential candidate on the progressive ticket? I'm going to lock in with a guess. I have a guess of, I was thinking maybe Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. And the Democrat would have been Taft, who was still in. So yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident you're right about Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. So we're going to go Teddy Roosevelt. We went a different direction and said uh, one of our favorite people, Eugene Victor Debs. You are correct. It's Teddy Roosevelt, and they were also known as the Bull Moose Party. That is correct. That was what split was the two. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. figured after he was president, he was done. So he he could run again. He was eligible to run because he took over for well, two reasons. One, they didn't have restrictions until Eisenhower was in office. Yeah, yeah. But also, um, yeah, I mean, he he ran. It was like in seven years after McKinley died, and then yeah, he ran against Taft because he hated him so much after he handed it off to him. Okay, round two, question number seven. Because of a health scare, what color M&M was discontinued from 1976 to 1987? I sort of remember a big hubbub about blue being a color, and I don't know if it like came back triumphantly. That was a voting thing that everybody could vote for, and I remember voting because it was like blue, pink, and purple, and then blue won, but they had said it never been that before. I'm okay. wondering if it's brown. Yeah. That's interesting. That's why Van Halen didn't want him. <laughs> um, 
yeah, Brown would have been my second guess. And if you think Blue wasn't in there uh, originally, then um, yeah, let's go. Let's go with Brown. So it was. Um, this was regarding the food coloring itself was thought to be toxic, and I, you know, it's those like lake colors, whatever that means. You know how it always says yellow lake forty or whatever. I think it's yellow. Uh, could be red too, but I want yellow. The answer is red. Oh. Because of a Russian study in 1971 that found red dye number two to be cancerous, they just decided to quietly get rid of it and then bring it back later on when they obviously found a different color for it. I lost lost my (laughs) toss-up. Okay, question number eight. What is the highest political position ever held by someone in the U.S. government who later went to prison? I don't need the person. I just need the actual position that they held in politics. You just need a position. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to think. If, yeah, if you think that someone... <laughs> that guy went to jail. <laughs> yeah, I, I only know of one who went to jail, but I, I, what Ken is saying, there might be someone above him, So, which, yeah. Okay. We'll give that guy a shout-out, though. Okay. In a bad way. Yeah, he's a he's a right honorable bastard. Um, so I know Dennis Hastert went to jail... And he was Speaker of the House, so that puts us pretty near the top. Can you think of a vice president, Jill, that went to jail? Should have, yes, but didn't. No, I don't know anybody. Well, I don't know if Ag- <laughs> did Agnew skirt jail time? Uh, yeah, he did. Okay, I'm trying to remember if there's anybody else at any point for any reason. I mean, we're just going to afford it, right? And we'll just pardon, yeah. the, pardon the previous administration. Not a problem. I think you're right. We could, uh, I'm comfortable as Speaker of the House. Okay, that's the that's the highest that I know for sure. So we'll we'll lock it in, Speaker of the House. Yeah, me and Neil were talking about Dennis Hastert as well. Um, may he go f- himself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, but we felt that surely in our sordid American history, there there was probably a vice president that found his way into a jail cell. So we said vice president. The answer is Speaker of the House. Dennett Hazard was definitely the person who thought, spent 13 months in prison, was released in 2017. I thought I'd throw an Illinois. Does he walk uh, the earth still, or is he just dead dead to us? Just dead to us. <laughs> yeah, just to us. <laughs> okay, question number nine. Out of the top 10 songs to stay at number one on the Billboard charts the longest, only two are not titled in English. For five points each, name the titles. Got one. Okay. Um, I feel pretty good about I think I, I've got two in mind. We're locked in. All right, Jill, so which one do you think you've got? Despacito. Okay. Um, the other one I was thinking was the Macarena. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, I won't I won't sit here all night. We're gonna, we'll lock it in. Macarena and Despacito. We said Despacito and Bailamos. The answer is Despacito and Macarena. Despacito in 2017 ties for the most at 16 with Mariah Carey and Boys to Men with One Sweet Day. And Macarena hit number one for 14 weeks in 1996. I heard that little cadence in there. Boys to Men. That was very nice. I don't remember Neil being an albatross. <laughs> But uh, you know what? <laughs> if I can play half this well at like Geek Bowl next year, we we're gonna come in first place. But I hope so. Huge margin because right. I don't know what's possessing me today. But question number ten, the final question of round number two: Astrologer, famed seer, and reputed prophet Nostradamus was from what country? Ooh, 
The good news is after talking myself up, I remember that Jill has helped me out on quite a few of these questions, so I can rely (laughs) on her for this one. I'm really good at guessing. (laughs) (laughs) I like good guesses. Yeah, I think uh, we we wrote down a few few, uh, answers here, and I think we're going to lock in with one as a guess. Well, he's European, so I'm going to guess either French, because, you know, French, or German, or in Germany. No real reason, just how the earth moved me. No, that's fair. I uh, I was trying to think. Nostradamus sounds vaguely Latin-ish. Germany feels right for some reason. Okay, um, let's do Germany. I, d- I don't know if it is, but we'll go Germany. Um, well, Neil came into the studio late. I think somebody else is coming in right now. Who is that? Uh-oh. I'm president of the Nostradamus <laughs> fan club. <laughs> if you knows me, you knows that Nostradamus knows everything. So we said the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> Michel de Nostradam was born December 1503 in the south of France. Oh, oh. Well, you, you, you teased it so nicely. I was just like, say the Netherlands, say the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad I uh, talked Jill off of that one. But the good news is Ken didn't catch a break, which... No. All right. As I said, uh, Neil's proven to be an albatross and not uh, not the boon I was hoping an for. An albatross is really good in golf, though. So yeah, not that way. I'm, I would prefer if you played for the. I'm more talking score. about the rhyme of the ancient mariner by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, which I remember. Um, it's <laughs> 190 to 120 to be short. Okay. So we're now into the final round. There are five questions. I'll give you guys right the title of each question so you guys can make your wagers, correct? Correct. Yep. All right. I want to make sure I got that right. Uh, the first question title is The Summer of Murder and Music. Second question is Before There Were Video Games. The third question is titled King of the Silver Screen. The fourth question is titled, And Justice for All. And the fifth and final question is titled, A Shot in the Arm. And in this final round, I really do hope I catch my break. Um, All the wagers are locked in. Bring me some luck, Neil. I hope so. (laughs) There you go. First question, The Summer of Murder and Music. Cult leader Charles Manson considered himself quite the musician and even sold one of his songs to what rock band in the late 1960s? Second one is before there were video games. When playing card games such as Bridge, what is considered the lowest suit? King of the Silver Screen? The 2017 movie version of Stephen King's It was a box office smash, the highest grossing movie based on one of his works. Before It came out, what was his top box office draw? And justice for all. Who is the longest current serving Supreme Court justice at just over 10,000 days? And the final question, a shot in the arm. In 1798, Edward Jenner developed the first ever vaccine protecting people from this disease that killed an estimated 400,000 people a year. What was the uh, what was the year on that? 1798. All the answers are now locked in, and uh, we'll get those questions reread and and uh, do our best at giving the correct answers. Hopefully. All right. First final question: Title: Summer of Murder and Music. 
Colt leader Charles Manson considered himself quite the musician and even sold one of his songs to what rock band in the 1960s? Man, my uh, wires might be crossed, but I could have sworn this was the Beatles. I bet uh, 20 points. Um, Yeah, we went 10 on this one, and we didn't know, and uh, we said the Grateful Dead. The answer is the Beach Boys. Wow. What was the song? He wrote a song called Cease to Exist, sold it to the drummer of the band, um, Danny Wilson, and they then retitled it to Never Learn Not to Love, and he hated it because they changed it. It was on the album 2020. Guns N' Roses actually also used a Manson song called Look at Your Game Girl in 1993. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, second question in the finals. Uh, Before there were video games, when playing card games such as Bridge, what is the lowest suit? All right, we wagered uh, 30 on this one. I was pretty sure spade is the highest suit in most cases, and heart is high. Um, So that left us with club and diamond, and I felt like the uh, colors should alternate, so we went with diamond being the lowest suit. Um, We wagered 10 on this one. We too thought uh, that it should alternate, so we went with a red suit, but we wore ours on our sleeve, and we guessed heart. The answer is clubs. The way you can think about it is lowest to highest. Think of alphabetical order. Clubs, diamonds, hearts, spades. And that's for bridge? That's for bridge in most games, games, most card games. Oh, good. I remember that. Spades being the highest. Okay, third question. King of the Silver Screen. The 2017 movie version of Stephen King's It was a box office smash, the highest grossing movie based on one of his works. Before It came out, what was his top box office draw? Me and uh, Neil had a long conversation on this one. Yeah, we were going uh, back and forth uh, on basically two titles. Uh, our reasoning uh, was Carrie, his first book, uh, first big hit, and we knew it was kind of a smash success for Sissy Spacek and uh, a young John Travolta. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we also talked about The Green Mile because uh, of Tom Hanks sort of at the height of his stardom, and we thought um, that that one probably made a lot of money, but we discounted it because it was so long, and uh, we ended up going with Carrie. Oh, interesting. So we wagered 10 on this one, and I totally forgot about The Green Mile. But uh, what do we say for this one, Jill? Carry, carry, carry. <laughs> the answer is The Green Mile. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, there's no way that's not it. <laughs> every every toss-up that we've had today. Yeah. <laughs> it has made over it has made over 700 million, Green Mile close to 300 million, and coming in at number three is The Shining with just over 150 million. By the way, we wagered 30 on that one, so that one hurt pretty bad. <laughs> this is the way the things go. We we had the mosquito one that we said we finally got right, and it was a curse, the mosquito curse. Question for the finals and justice for all. Who is the longest current serving Supreme Court justice at just over 10,000 days? If you uh, count back 10,000 days, you get about to late 1991, I believe. It's about uh, 27 years, somewhere there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we said, uh, Clarence Thomas, who I believe was put in by a conservative president, uh, not Bill Clinton. So we went to Clarence Thomas. Oh, you didn't hear? Bill Clinton was sort of a conservative president. Okay. <laughs> um, so hopefully this, uh, this doesn't, uh, 
curse us too because uh, I'm afraid of the curse of the great mosquito over there. But uh, we wagered 10 and uh, we too said Judge Clarence Thomas. That is correct. The answer is Clarence Thomas. He's right now 22nd on the all-time list. If he stays on the court until age 80, he will be the longest sitting Supreme Court justice of all time. How many more years is that? He's only seventy. Oh, so he's so if you think about it, he got in he got in when is in his late forties. Surely uh, Matt and Vivek are gonna be at Vegas uh, betting on on those odds for the Supreme Court <laughs> <Yeah>. justice. <laughs> Can I get an over under? And the final question in the finals, a shot in the arm. In seventeen ninety eight, Edward Jenner developed the first ever vaccine protecting people from this disease that killed an estimated four hundred thousand people a year. Uh, we wagered uh, 20 points on this one. Uh, I'm going to channel my uh, inner filter and say, hey, man, nice shot. Um, but we went with smallpox. And uh, we wagered 10 on this one, and I'm going to hand it over to Jill. Um, she was the shot in the arm I needed on a couple of these questions. So uh, what did we what did we say this for this one, Jill? I think we said yellow fever. The answer is smallpox. Nice, Ken. He actually also came up with the term vaccination, vaca from being from the term cow and vaccinia from the term meaning cowpox, which is what he used to use to inoculate people. People had cowpox. He would take a little bit of it and give it to people to keep them from getting smallpox. Okay, so it looks like everybody lost a couple points in the final round. Uh, We lost 40 points, uh, bringing our total to 80 points. So not bad considering all the toss-ups we missed. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Ken played the whole first round by himself. Yeah, true. True. And it looks like uh, all that remains. You are the cream of the crop. You lost only 30 points, and you have uh, landed at 160. Congrats on being cream of the crop. Nothing is going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. Thank you, Jill. You you were an excellent teammate, so thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you so much for letting me be on. Yeah, you guys were on fire for more than (laughs) half that game. I I have to say I was very impressed at your, your skills today. Yeah, it was a good. Thank it was a good pairing. Uh, it worked out very well. I I noticed like a, Jill... like a Gouda and a nice red wine, or maybe something. like a maybe like a raspberry brie. Uh, don't ask me. I've got a gutter palate. <laughs> uh, uh, I noticed Jill on the uh, in the crop. Uh, we had asked uh, for some ideas for bonus episodes, and Jill uh, wrote a bunch of them down. But one that I that interested me, which I I saw evidence of tonight, was '90s hip hop. Yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to bring you back for that because that sounds like a fun game. I'm down for it. Let's do it. All right. And of course, we want to thank Ben for presenting this excellent game. Great questions today. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Anytime. I'd love to come back if you would like to have me. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I, I can't uh, echo that enough. Uh, thanks again to Ben and Jill for their uh, joining us today, their support of us on Patreon. Uh, we are forever grateful for those individuals who can help us out in that capacity. For uh, Ken, I was almost going to say Matt, who's not here, uh, Neil and myself, that was Triviality. Um, oldest, longest serving Supreme Court Justice. Judge Reinhold? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Matt Matt will be remiss that he'll never even know we made a mock trial reference. So, Who's there? Colleen or Neil and Colleen? Colleen. Just Colleen. You want to play? You want to play? 